0: Luke 18, we're, we're continuing in our message sh- series and a group of parables uh, of the kingdom in the Gospel of Luke. This one's called the, the Pharisee and the Tax Collector. Um, Matthew, or Luke, <laughs> Matthew. Uh, Luke 18, um, and starting in verse 9. And so this is best known as the Pharisee and the Tax Collector, but it could maybe call, be called... The parable of the proud and humble prayers. Uh, this is a a continuation of the previous section, which I don't think we we preached this yet, but the parable of the persistent widow where she presses in and prays and prays and prays, uh, until she is granted uh, her wish. And here's our attitude, uh, with, with prayer. So let's, let's pray and then we'll read. Father, we thank you for this morning. Thank you that you have given us a word that is powerful, and a spirit that is powerful to change us, a word that informs us how to live, how to be saved, how to live, Lord. I pray that this morning would we would be mindful of it. Would we hear it? Would we be listening and soften our hearts towards it? That it would be fresh to us. Not something that we've heard a million times and so we turn out our ears. But that we would listen and delve deeply into it. So we might be benefited and we might be changed because of it. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So let's read Luke 18, 9 to 14. It's not a large passage, which sometimes I'm very thankful for. (laughs) So in verse 9, he also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. Two men went up into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee standing by himself I tell you this man went down to his house justified rather than the other for everyone who exalts himself will be humbled but the one who humbles himself will be exalted I'm so glad that we're not like this pharisee so we don't really need to hear the parable <laughs> to <explain. laughs> No but that's um that's that can be our attitude towards this uh this parable sometimes I think we get it. It's a simple parable, right? And we've heard it maybe a, you know a thousand times, or at least elements of this parable many, many times. And so we dismiss it very easily. Um, it, it doesn't apply to us, or it's easy to apply. We think we like to identify with the tax collector. He's he's humble before God. He, he's asking for mercy. But we don't recognize just how often we are emulating the Pharisee. Because humility is not easy. And it's something that we never fully achieve in this life. If you achieve perfect humility, you would not sin anymore. (laughs) Pride is is really the root of of all sin. We we place ourselves above God so we must be humble and it's something that we must work on for our entire life now pride and arrogance might not be you know, like your besetting sin it might be something else but the root of that is pride and so we're going to look at this together and how I would summarize this passage is this humble yourself before god and others this is the road of righteousness Humble yourself before God and others. This is the road of righteousness. And we're going to try to take a deep dive into this parable, as much as we can do in a half hour, and meditate on its meaning and application. And first, let's take a look at pride. We're going to take a look at this Pharisee. Pride can be mistaken for humility or religious fervor and that's my my first point this is pride can be mistaken for humility or re- religious fervor we we see this today so verse nine who who's this parable told to verse nine he also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt so they trusted themselves that they were righteous. They treated others with contempt. And before you think, oh that's that's not me, I don't, I don't do that. Have you ever been proud of your church attendance or Bible reading or theological knowledge? Maybe religion's not the thing that you pride yourself in. Maybe you're proud of uh your job, scientific knowledge, or certain skills that you have. Whatever you have that you find, oh, that's, that's what I'm really good at. Better than other people at. It's not that we want to deny what we're good at. God has given us gifts. It's our attitude towards those things. Have you ever looked down on someone who isn't consistent with, you know, church attendance or Bible reading? Doesn't have a stable job, maybe. Maybe somebody whose kids aren't the most quiet. Have you ever looked down on someone who uh, drinks too much or makes unwise choices? I could list a host of things that we judge people and look down on people. It's common. We, we all do it. Now, maybe, maybe it's less common for you or, or more common for you, but it's something that is a bit rotten within us that we look down on others because of this or that. And I know what about Pharisees. Let's, before we get into this, today we hear Pharisee and we think, oh, that's a self-righteous hypocrite. Oh, Pharisee, yick. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but to the first century Jew, it's some, something that they aspired to be. A Pharisee, that's a religious leader. Someone who has studied the word, knows God, he's close with God, he's holy. They live their life in devotion to God. This is someone I want to be like. the devout religious leaders of the day. and if anyone's close to God, these are the people, the Pharisees and this this Pharisee he's a thankful man, right? Verse ten. two men went up in the temple to pray, one a Pharisee, the other tax collector. The Pharisee standing by himself prayed thus. God, I thank you that I'm not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. So he's thankful that he's not like other men. Should we should we not also be thankful that we're not extortioners and, and unjust and and uh, adulterers or, or tax collectors? You know, I'm thankful I don't work for the IRS. <laughs> but really, extortion and injustice and adultery... Those are things that we, we don't want to do, right? I'm thankful that um, I've been faithful to my wife. I'm thankful that I haven't committed uh, injustices that, I, that I'm aware of, not grievous ones anyway, not ones on purpose, I, I don't think. And to top that off, this Pharisee is really devout. I mean, look at this. Read verse tw- uh, 12 with me. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. Fasting's good, right? Tithing is good. We just talked about that a little bit. Thank you for tithing and giving. What's the problem? The problem is this heart attitude towards God and towards others. The, the heart of this Pharisee is like a rotten apple that looks good on the outside. It looks fresh and clean, shiny. Looks like it just dropped from the tree Oh, it looks good. And then when you go to bite into it, the entire middle is is rotten. It's bruised. It's putrid. It, you spit it out. It doesn't even smell good. That's what the heart of this Pharisee is like. He looks good on the outside. He looks like a, a religious and holy man, one who's got it all together. But his heart... His heart is rotten. And so our application is not to become an extortioner or commit injustice or adultery or work for the IRS. I'm kidding. The, the, the IRS is very different from tax collectors, which we'll get into later. But it's not to stop fasting or tithing. These are, these are all good things. Being a devout worshiper of God, this is good. But the way that we approach God should be one of thankfulness and humility. See, the, the Pharisee is kind of doing this thankfulness and pride kind of thing. It's a false thankfulness, really. How we're supposed to approach God is thankfulness and humility. Not thankfulness in a self-congratulatory spirit. Uh, not thinking that we're all that in a bag of chips. <laughs> not thinking that we've got this following Jesus thing down pat, even if we've been following Him for 30, 40, 50 years. Yeah. But recognizing that God, God is one, is the one who's done the work in our lives. We don't have ourselves to thank for that. It's God who's done this work. And there is so much more work to do. The Pharisee thought he was all together, all holy, no more work to be done. Maybe there's a few things here and there could shore up fast, maybe three times a week. But the reality is we we're far from perfect. And so we have to approach God with humility and we must approach others with humility not comparing ourselves with them or thinking, at least I'm not like this or that. At least I'm not like this Pharisee. <laughs> Nor thinking down on others because we don't agree on, on everything. Now, when you first read this parable, you might think that you're not like this Pharisee, but the reality is I'm sure you are in some way, some of the time. And so we have to look, be aware. Open your eyes to see how you are like the Pharisee at times. Hopefully not all the time. Hopefully God has done work in your life so that you are not thinking you're you're righteous in and of yourself, that you've done great work and so God's going to accept you into heaven because of what you've done. I don't think you're there, but I think we are all guilty of thinking much of ourselves and thinking less of others. Now let's get to our second point and and look at humility. Number two is when faced with your own sin, deep humility is the appropriate response. When faced with your own sin, deep humility is the appropriate response. So we look at the polar opposite, the tax collector. And he's polar opposite in kind of two ways. The tax collectors were a hated profession. If the Pharisees were were looked up to and loved. Maybe not loved is the right word. <laughs> They're respected. And the tax collector is one who's hated. They were seen as betraying the Jewish people and, and, and really betraying God by working for the Romans. They would take money from the Jews and give it to the Jews' oppressors. And not only this, not only was there the very prof- profession thought negatively, but also many, maybe most, I'm not sure, they would collect extra from the Jews, pocket some of that and give the appropriate amount to the Romans. And so they would defraud people. They were stealing from the Jews, giving to the Romans. But verse 13, what does he do? But the tax collector... Standing far off, not even lift up his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. The tax collector stands far off. He's not really welcome in the temple The Pharisee stands in the temple. In fact, I think he probably stood as close to the Holy of Holies as he could, as close to the sanctuary that he could. He thought he deserved to be close to God. But the tax collector is far off, probably just inside the the temple, as far, far away from the sanctuary as he could get. And the tax collector doesn't lift up his eyes to heaven. The Pharisee—it was common. The Pharisee would would pray standing up, you know, maybe arms outstretched, looking up to heaven, and out loud. I don't know if that was always to show off, but that was common. And the tax collector is is maybe bowed down, not lifting his eyes, beating his breast. Lord, be merciful to me. The Pharisee prays on the first person. Look look at it. I, 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 I. But the tax collector prays with God as the subject. God's the actor. And Himself as the passive object. God to me. God be merciful to me. A sinner. It's placing God at the right place. And this is the attitude the Apostle Paul has. First Timothy says, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the foremost. I am the worst. The Apostle Paul says this, the one, maybe the one of the, the greatest apostles, greatest prophets, greatest men who have ever lived. We look up to the Apostle Paul, but he says, I am the most. I'm the worst sinner. Tax collector shows a proper attitude toward God. He knows he doesn't deserve to speak to God. He knows he doesn't deserve to be in the temple. He doesn't deserve justice or justification. But he asks for mercy. God, be merciful to me. How can you take a less cavalier or casual approach to God the tax collector shows a proper attitude towards others he doesn't compare himself with the Pharisee or with the shepherds who may have considered uh, who, who he may have considered beneath him he doesn't compare himself to anybody he just knows that he's a sinner in need of forgiveness So, an application comes to us. How can you think better of others? How can you put off a judgmental attitude or thinking down on others and think better of them? Think more charitably towards them. The tax collector is grieved over his sin. He knew he was guilty. He knew the grief that he caused God over his sin, and what he didn't really know, not yet anyway, was that it would cost Jesus his life. Jesus would have to die on a cross for this tax collector. And Jesus is the only innocent person in the world. We are often outraged when an innocent person is found guilty or when an innocent person dies unjustly aren't we are you are you outraged by your sin though that put an innocent man on the cross see there's there's protests in the world and and some of them rightly so where there's been a grave injustice done people are outraged that an innocent person would be Found guilty or dies at the hands of whoever. People are outraged. Our sense of injustice is pinged. And we get angry about it. And there's a, there is a righteous anger that can occur when we see injustice in the world. We should stand opposed to it. But are you grieved over your sin? Your sin's an injustice against God. your sin's an injustice against Jesus. And so are we grieved like this tax collector over our sin? I think it's harder for us who have been a Christian for a longer period of time, 30, 40, 50 years, to be grieved over sin. We're used to our sin. It's pretty common. I've got these sins. It's been with me for a long time. I've maybe made some steps and improvements here and there, with the help of God, thankfully. <laughs> but I'm used to it. Uh, I'm 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 not grieved over my sin as I once was. And maybe you're maybe you're not the most emotional person when you think grief. That's that's all emotion, really. I think there is an element of emotion in grief and if there's something that you're going to be emotional about in this life, it it, it might be grief over sin and the other side, happiness with forgiveness from God. Those are two emotions that even if you're not an emotional person, there's, there's room for that. But maybe you're not the most emotional. I think grief has an element of of emotion but it's also recognizing that you have hurt one in particular you've hurt god by your sin he is a holy god cannot stand the presence of sin and you hurt others by your sin too and that's cause for grief you Regret, you repent. you turn from doing it and no longer sin, but actually turn on doing something better, something more righteous as a result. That's part of grief. Part of grief is also emotion. It's not feeling I wouldn't describe it as feeling bad about my sin. That doesn't capture it. As grief is a, is a more serious look, I'm sorry that I sinned. It's hard to describe. But repentance and grief and humility are wrapped up within each other. And when we are humble, we will see that our sin causes God grief. And our sin has caused the greatest grief in the world, which was Christ on the cross. An innocent person, the really only innocent person who ever lived, died on a cross because of our sin. We should take that seriously, maybe more than we have lately. Let's move on, though. You can think about that this week. God loves a humble heart. God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. That's what James says. And so we get to the third and final point here. Justification and exaltation come to the humble. Justification and exaltation come to the humble, verse 14. And I, I'm not meaning justification through humility. We don't earn justification because we're humble. We, we're justified through faith by grace alone. But humility is what God does in our heart when we repent of our sin, when we have faith and accept that he has died for us. But here's the thing. Parables are surprise. Parables, I think all of them, or almost all of them, have a surprise in them. And we don't see it because maybe we're too familiar. But here's the surprise to the first listeners of this parable. Read verse 14 with me. I tell you, this man went down to the, his house justified rather than others. Speaking of the tax collector. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. We're not surprised because we've heard this in, in other parables countless times. But this is a kingdom reversal. The culture in Jesus' day would expect the Pharisee to be the one justified and righteous and the tax collector to be the one who's unrighteous and unjustified. But in the kingdom, it's not the pious religious guy who's exalted, but the lowly hated tax collector. It's about pride and humility. Pride seeks glory for its own But humility seeks the glory of God. Pride seeks to justify self. But humility pleads for justice from God, knowing it's undeserved. Pride compares itself against and above others. Humility knows the heart too well to think itself higher than others. This is a parable for life. <laughs> we won't stop needing to apply this parable to our lives. In verse 14, I think Jesus is being prophetic of himself when he says, the one who humbles himself will be exalted. Jesus humbled himself even to the point of death on a cross. Philippians says this, and we have this quote. Christ Jesus, who, existing in the form of God, did not consider equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a servant, being made in the likeness of men. Being found in human form, he humbled himself, becoming obedient to death. Yes, death of the cross. Therefore, God has also highly exalted Him and gave to Him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of those in heaven, those on earth and those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. Jesus is the one who humbled Himself more than any, and He is exalted more than anyone. And because he has been raised from the dead, we will one day also be raised and exalted, lifted up. Humility now for exaltation in eternity. What an exchange. By God's doing, by Jesus' doing, not our own. And he humbled himself so that we could be forgiven. And he's now in a place of honor, a place of exaltation above every name. Because we needed a Savior, he was the only one that could do it, being both God and man. Why does God love a humble heart? Because there's no room for self-justification before God. Your best work in this life gains you absolutely nothing in terms of your final destination. There's no, I lived a good life, so I think God will let me into heaven. No, I think there will be exactly zero people in heaven who think like that, sadly. No one gets to heaven because of the good work they've done in their lives. None are righteous, not even one. A humble heart enables you to accept the righteousness of God, not your own. A righteousness that was won by Christ. Jesus provides the way because there is no other way. So if we know that, then shouldn't it affect the way that we approach God? And affect the way that we approach others? In this day of, of online everything, how's your heart when you read or post social media? When you read or watch the news, when you hear about what those people did, the other people, you know. <laughs> if you're like me, you, you can pass judgment on others and they think yourself better. I'm smarter than them. I'm, I've got the right answers and they don't. We're all sinners in need of a savior. The sooner you recognize that there is no greater sinner out there than yourself, the sooner you will cast yourself at the feet of Jesus and ask and beg for mercy again and again and again. How about this? How's your heart towards your spouse, your family, your friends, co-workers, towards non-believers, towards the other end of the political spectrum? towards believers who are not the best Christians? How's your heart towards them? Do you sit in judgment of them? Or do you think charitably of them? Desire to help them or love them in any way? As we conclude here, instead of contempt or judgment towards others, let's have compassion on others. Let's humble ourselves before God. I'm reminded of a of a story. The most humble person that I met uh, was one named Jerry Bridges. I don't know if you know the author. He wrote um, Trusting God, uh, Pursuit of Holiness, and a host of other books. He actually visited Crossway once, um, and it was a great uh, opportunity to hear him teach and um, hang out with him. I also met him uh, down when I was at the pastor's college. One of the host, most humble men I've ever met. And I'm going to tell a story. I'll probably mess it up. And if you were there, just forgive me for missing all the details. <laughs> uh, cause I, it's, it's vague in my mind. But he, he was one who was hu- very humble. Uh, and he spoke humbly, didn't, just did not seem to think much of himself. Uh, even though he's, he's a great author, um, very helpful, a leader in many ways. He was grieved one day over and he was telling this as a recent story, like, I got off the plane and this is what happened and I, I came to you. And it was, it was something, he was struggling with, I think it was gluttony basically over desiring candy or, or cake or something like that. And he just really wanted, knew he was, he didn't need it. And uh, I think he had, you know, spent money on it or whatever and, and indulged himself and, uh, and and enjoyed the the candy or or whatever um but he was grieved over that sin i'm i'm serious and i i i'm listening to the story i'm thinking if that's what you got to deal with i'm thinking come on <laughs> i got bigger sins than that buddy <laughs> um but not only was his conscience pinged on that but he was grieved over sin, genuinely grieved over his sin. I think it's because he was so, he was so humble. He saw that this sin, even though small, grieved God. And so he was grieved over this sin. I, I share that story just because it was a, a real life example to me how humility and grief over sin go hand in hand. And as well, Jerry Bridges was one who loved others. I mean, he was he was confessing sin in front of strangers, basically. Bold. He thought little of himself and much of others, and he was kind. Uh, he sadly passed away a few years ago, um, but he lived to a good old age, and and he's with the Lord right now. I'm I'm thankful for that. But well, let's have compassion on others, right? Let's have humble ourselves before God. Let's be less congratulatory and more thankfulness uh, to God for what he has done, not what we have done. Humble ourselves before others in words and actions. Truly believe that you are the worst sinner you know. Once we realize that, I think it will help us to know that God is the one who's grieved over our sin. Righteousness can only come by asking God for mercy, not looking to ourselves for answers. So let's again throw yourself at the foot of the cross. Ask for God's mercy. Humble yourself before God and others. This is the road to righteousness. And you will Enjoy the full and complete forgiveness from God. Something to celebrate. We're grieved for a time for our sin. But then we have ultimate joy that we have been forgiven and that we can come near to the throne of God. Let's pray. Thank you, God, that you've given us your word, that you've given us some amount of humility enabling us to recognize that You are the only Savior, Jesus. Give us more humility to see the gravity of our sin, to put off pride and put on humility, to become more and more like You so that we come to You with a contrite heart, not as casual or cavalier, or congratulating ourselves for what we have done, but thanking you for what you have done and looking to you to keep on working in us. Lord, help us as we view others. Would we see others as better than ourselves? Would we see others as worthy of love and honor and respect and charitability, Lord? Help us as we engage online and in person, wherever we are, to have a good view of others, an attitude that loves others and loves you, Jesus. pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.